0: You ready to study the word today? Amen. Okay, I hope so. Here we go. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. If you have your Bible, John chapter 5. You got a tablet, flip over there, whatever you need to do, plug it in. John chapter 5. I'm going to be preaching the first, the first message of two sermons uh, on a, a mini-series, I guess. Uh, on And I'm, I'm calling this series Offenses. Okay, Offenses. Um, and I'm going to say this right out of the gate. This message and this series was for me. This is this is something that the Holy Spirit has been doing a work in my life over this message that I'm bringing to you today and tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, if the Lord will allow me. Uh, I've been dealing with it for several years, uh, but I know in my knower uh, that others need the truth of this message. I know that we do. Uh, This is what I call a heart message, in a sense. Because it may cut to the heart. It cut to my heart. And it may address some of the struggles that you might be having. One of the most deceptive and insidious kinds of bait is something that every believer encounters. And that's offense. Offense itself is not the problem. In a fallen world, we should expect it. The problem comes when we pick up the offense and allow it to take root in our hearts, and then we become offended. There's a fruit that comes from offended people it's hurt anger, sometimes outrage. Hurt people are often jealous people. They harbor resentment, bitterness, hatred. And one of the key things that happens is there's a lot of striving that goes on in someone who is offended. When we take offense and become offended, we take the bait of Satan... And his traps that turn our focus off of the person of Christ and onto ourselves and the wrong that has been done to us. And that's where the enemy can hold us in bondage. And stop us from moving forward in our lives. I know because I've experienced it. The title of this message today is The Choice... Healed or hurt. Healed or hurt. I'm going to ask if you would stand in the honor of reading God's word. John chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. Before we do, we're going to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in this passage. If you would pray with me. Lord, I declare that we need you now more than ever. God, I ask that you would speak through this word. Lord, I humble myself and I empty myself before you and before your people. And Lord, I go into your throne room and I receive this word, Lord. And I, I want to serve it as a good, a faithful steward to your people. And Lord, I thank you. I praise you for what you've done in my life through this word. And Lord, I pray that it would go forth and produce much fruit that's pleasing to you. Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth. Let us know that you're speaking to us. And I pray today, more than any other day, maybe, that we would obey immediately whatever you have to say to us and not wait. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, remain standing. Here we go. Verse 1. We're gonna read all the way through, and I think I said 16, but I wanna just tag 17 in there. All right, if y'all let me. All right, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish uh, holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, now that's important, we'll come back to that, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, look at this, he knew he had been ill for a long time. Jesus just knew that. And he asked him, Would you like to get healed? I can't, sir. I can't. The sick man said. I don't have anybody to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Now, hold on just a second. Stop, just a second. Let me go back. Some translations, this particular one, it omits part of verse 3 or verse uh, 4. And I want to pick that up. I, I have it in the footnotes here. Anybody notice that by the way when we were reading? Okay, so here's what verse 4 says. So, verse 3 says crowds lay by the blind, blind lame paralyzed lay on the porches, and then verse 4 says Waiting for a certain movement of water. Now that's important. That's why I want to come back to it. For a certain movement of water. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. Now that's, many translations includes that. Some just omit it and put it in the the notes. I don't know why, but it's there anyway. Okay, so that's, we just got to understand that picture that it was an angel came down, stirred the water. If you made it to the water, you got healed. Now, pick back up with verse 5. One of the men laying there had been 30, sick for 36 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he'd been sick for a long time. He asked, would you like to get well? I can't, sick men said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, Jesus told him, stand up, Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, instantly, the man was healed. And he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, that's significant that he did that because of the day it was. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. You know the rules of the Sabbath, right? Hmm. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me to pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know. For Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him. In the temple and told him, now, now you're well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went on and told Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. So by this time he knew, Jesus had somehow revealed himself to this man. So he went and he told him, it was Jesus who healed me. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. So the church folks got mad at Jesus. But Jesus replied, listen guys, my father is always working and so am I. God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. Now this entire passage to me, when I was reading it and studying it, it reminded me of the church. Big C reminded me of the church. Okay, not necessarily this one, some this, but the big church C. Um, both good and bad, actually. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. Um, Bethesda, by the way, the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda means house of mercy. That's what it means. Um, and right there, I thought every church should be a house of mercy. Amen. Every church should be a house of mercy because it's full of people who have received mercy. And so we should be running to give mercy. We should be anxious to show mercy to others. See, I want, see, I want Cultivate Church Nashville to be a place where people find mercy. That's, where I, that's what I want. Then there's this pool near the Sheep Gate. I don't know if you notice that, during the Sheep Gate. Um, and that's kind of what church is. You now, we're sheep. There's the Sheep Gate. And they come in through the gate and it was right there next to the temple. So they enter in. So they enter into the presence of God. So uh, that just kind of reminded me of that. And then this really reminded me of the church when I thought it says they were waiting on a move of the water. Um, Believers are notorious uh, for waiting on the next move of God. You ever notice that? We're just notorious for kind of waiting on that bandwagon. Uh, And if you want to know my opinion on that. Uh, there's something that doesn't settle in my spirit about believers that are chasing a movement. See, I I don't want to wait for the next move of God. I want to be the start of one. If you want to know the truth. See, I I want it to break out in purity through prayer and worship and people being real honest before God and each other. And I want to see people healed and set free in His presence. See, how incredible would it be if when we gathered for worship, as we are right now, that it was so dripping with the Holy Spirit fire that people got saved without an invitation and that demons just jumped off of people because of the fervent prayers that were being offered by the people of God. Don't think, my God can't do that. Now, I'm not talking about taking matters into our own hands. We're notorious for doing that too and I know there's a season for everything. All I'm saying is I don't want the Holy Spirit ready to move and Him waiting on me. And I believe that God has done his part and he wants to pour out his, on his people. He's waiting for his people to participate. You know how I know that? Because it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face and turn from my wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's an if-then statement. I don't want him waiting on me. I'm afraid the enemy has churches often right where he wants them. Half of them are waiting for the rapture to take us home and relieve us from this mess, and half of them are chasing a move of God. I'd rather ask God to do miraculous things with this little scrappy congregation here at Cultivate Church and set the world on fire from here, if it's all the same to you. Now here's another thing. It was 38 years. 38 years. The passage said that Jesus knew he had been in this condition for a long time. And Jesus asked him, "Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed?" Now here's why this reminded me of the church. Because the church, Big C, is full of people who have been in the same condition for a long, long time. People can come to church week after week, year after year, and they never get changed. There's something strange about that. That's not the God I serve. That's not the Bible I read. Second Timothy 3.5 says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. That's what that looks like to me. Another reason it reminds me of the church is that there was a great multitude of sick people. <laughs> Have you noticed there's a lot of sick people within the church? What's amazing to me is that, of all people, we know the source of healing for soul, spirit, and body. We know where it comes from. Now, here's the last thing that reminded me of the church. When Jesus did do something, the religious people got mad. All he did was heal somebody. That's all he did. And they got upset. Why? Why did they get upset? Because their religion was rules and traditions. Not based on the heart of God. See, the heart of God, you want to know what the heart of God is? The heart of God is people. The heart of God is wanting to be in relationship with his people. That's the heart of God. Not the trappings of religion. I tell you, Jesus, man, he didn't have much to say good about religious folk. He says, do you want to be healed? And in verse 6, look back at verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. See, Jesus knew exactly how many times the angel would come down and stir the water. He knew that this man was still sick. Now, let me ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. If you've had fear for a long time, if you've been insecure for a long time, if you've had bitterness for a long time, if you've been in, in bondage to lust For a long time, here's the question Do you even want to be healed? Do you even want to be? Do you want to be freed from that? Do you want to? See, because I believe that any person who genuinely wants to be free can get free, or else Jesus is a liar. See, I believe if you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. See, I believe that if you knock, the door will open if you knock with all your heart. I believe if you ask, you will receive if you ask with all of your heart. I believe those things. So do you want to be healed or do you want to be hurt? And the choice is yours. There are three things about being healed that I want to show you. Now, I'm going to warn you, point Point one's going to be long, but point two and three are not. Okay, so we're just going journey. Point Point one's long, so if you're like, oh, God, if the two and three are just like this one, we're toast. But no, we're going to be good. Here we go. Here's number one. Go with me. The reason. The reason. Something I want you to know about healing is there's a reason. The reason to be healed is simple. It's because we've all been hurt. Is there anyone here who has never been hurt by a word or by a friend or by a situation? Anybody here? Nope. I knew you wouldn't raise your hand. Even babies, when they're first born and they come out, there's somebody on the other end and they slap them right when they come out. You know. So, everybody's been hurt, everybody, every single person. And the reason we need healing is because we live in a sin filled world and sinful things happen to us, yes or no? See, all of us have had people disappoint us. How many of you have ever been surprised hurt? I mean, it just came out of nowhere. Someone said something and did something that you never thought that person would have said or would have done to you. That's all of us. That's all of us. Listen, let me explain something to you about hurts. Let me explain something. Hurts opened the door to sin. Remember Jesus said to this man in verse 14, he said, Now you're a well, so stop sinning. There's a reason he said that. Or something worse may happen to you. So why would Jesus say that? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. When you've been hurt, the door is open for bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and hate and malice, and jealousy, and envy, and insecurity, and inferiority, and fear, and anger, and rage, pride, all of those things, the door is cracked open for those things to come in. See, hurt opens the door to sin. We get hurt when someone sins against us, right? When someone sins against us, that's when we get hurt. Yes? Okay. Sin, even if it's sin that's done to us... Sin itself is naturally going to open the door for you to sin. See, sin begat sin, begat sin, begat sin, begat sin. Sin, no matter if it originates from you or it comes to you, it's going to breed more sin. Okay? That's why it's so important to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Because sin is going to try to get your flesh nature to sin. And if you're walking in the flesh, you're going to fall to hurt. You're going to fall to, for the hurt. So the reason to be healed is so we can be freed from that. If you have bondage in your life, it may go back to a time when someone hurt you and you never got healed. You're still carrying around some hurt with you. It could be when you were young. In fact, most Wounds and bondage that people walk around don't happen as adults. Most of them open up when we're small children. Not all, but most. And we're not taught how to get healing from that. But that door to sin was open and we didn't know it. It's out of ignorance, right? Until the Spirit of God reveals through the Word of how that happens and we can get healed. Right? So you might be carrying around a hurt that you've had your whole life. Maybe, maybe for the longest time you didn't even realize it. But you've been carrying it around. Now we sang that song today, When I Think About the Lord. And we sang that song for a reason. Because of that line. How he healed me to the uttermost. That's why I picked that song. Now, every time I sing that song, every time, I remember the bondage that I used to be in because of the hurt that someone did to me when I was a young boy. And I remember that day. And it was on my birthday, many, many, many years later, when the Holy Spirit asked me, what do you want for your birthday, Daniel? That might sound silly to you. But he asked me, what do you want? And I said, Lord, I said it out loud. I remember where I was. I didn't even know what I was driving. And I said, all I want, Lord is to be healed and set free from this insecurity and this bondage that I have walked around with all of my life because of what happened to me when I was a young boy years ago. See, I was sick of it. I was tired of the bondage of it. And it had plagued me too long. And you know what? I felt that the Holy Spirit said to me in that car on that day, Daniel, you'll never forget this birthday because this will be the day that you received a healing touch from me because you asked. Because you asked. Now, let me tell you this. That wound did not heal instantly. But in that moment... In that very moment, the fever of my sin broke in the spirit. And I started my road to recovery. And that wound, guess what? Started getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller every day as I took the spiritual medicine of the word and worship and prayer. And today, I stand healed from that wound. I stand healed from that wound. See, that's my story. That's what Jesus did for me. He healed me from bondage that affected every area of my life. We would not be sitting here today if he would not have healed me. Listen, sin, the door that was open to sin. Sin made me sick. I was running a fever. I had a sin infection that was killing me on the inside. That's where some of you are today. You're running a spiritual, mental, emotional fever because of a wound that got infected because of sin. Jesus, the great physician, came to heal that wound and your fever can break today. Your fever can break today. Now, I want you to look back at verse 3 for a second. It says, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Why he chose those three, why it was just those three things, I don't know. But I want us to apply that spiritually today. All right. So what about, when it talks about blindness, what about spiritual blindness? See, because of past hurts, many times we're spiritually blind. See, sin blinds. So we don't spiritually discern what's going on around us. We, we don't. We might think one thing's going on, but it might be something else. And we'll say, and I've heard it before, I've even said it before, if I could have seen what was happening spiritually, I may have responded to somebody differently than I did. If I would have just known now what I, what I knew, if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have responded differently. Now you need to know this, spiritual blindness comes from hurts that haven't healed. It comes from hurts that haven't healed. And, and we view what someone does or says to us through the lens of our hurt. We do. So wounds cause spiritual blindness. Well, wounds cause spiritual lameness. He said, he said blind, lame. Look at Galatians 5.16. You don't have to turn there. I think it will be on the screen. But there's spiritual lameness. And it says, I say then, when you walk in the Spirit, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what would spiritual lameness be then? What would it be? If you're fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you're not going to be able to walk in the Spirit. You follow me? And if you're not able to walk, what are you? You're lame. Some of you men, I'm speaking to my men, you've been in bondage to lust for years. And I'm telling you, the root is that you're a hurt man. And you might not ever swallow your pride to admit it, but you're a wounded man. And because you can admit that we've been hurt, then that means you've made the decision to not be healed. And so, you know what we do, men? We just spend our time masking up. We just mask up. We cover up. We go to the escapes. We want to escape the pain of the hurt or the wound. We go there. We do that, whatever the wound is, and we try to fill that lustful fulfillment. Now listen, it could be sexual. Lust doesn't always just mean sexual. Lust is when you've got to have it, and you've got to have it your way, and you've got to have it now. That's the lust of the flesh. Now we're all guilty. Now I just spoke to my men, but women guilty as well. And you know how women typically try to manage that? Control. You've been hurt, so I need to control. And guess what? If you haven't figured it out already, it never, ever, 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 ever works. That, that you're trying to feel whatever it is, If you're you're just going after the lust of the flesh, if you're whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing to escape, whatever you're doing, it never fulfills anything. It never does. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, you better believe that there are people absolutely, totally paralyzed by fear, by bitterness, by insecurity. Now, when you're paralyzed, go with me for a second, when you're paralyzed, you can't move away from it. You cannot move away from it. Whatever you're paralyzed by, I want you to think about this and perhaps maybe even write it down. Whatever you're paralyzed by, it's all-consuming for you. It's all-consuming for you. If you're paralyzed by fear, fear is what your life centers around. Whether you know it or not, fear is what your life centers around. Everything and everybody has to accommodate your fear. You make them. You make them to accommodate your fear. Just so, you, so you're not afraid. If you're paralyzed by bitterness, bitterness is what your life centers around. And you make everything and everybody accommodate your bitterness. You, you get the point. It's the same with insecurity. If you're insecure, you're going to do things to make everyone deal with your insecurity. You do. Now listen to me. God is saying today, church, hear me. God is saying today, do you want to be healed from this? Do you want to be healed from this? See, here's the truth. When we live so long with something as a way of life, we get used to it. You ever experience experience that? You just live with something so long, you just get used to it? See, so someone who's angry... Take someone who's angry, and then they just pick fights all the time. I mean, they're just picking a fight. No matter what they do, no matter what conversation. Anybody ever know somebody like that? They're just picking. They pick, 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 pick. they got to pick a fight. See, they're so used to that feeling. They are so they thrive off of that tension and that drama in their life. And, and if so, anyone says, aren't you tired of all the drama and their tension? You know what they would say? Tired of what? What are you talking about? You know? See? Now hear me, that's what we say sometimes to God. Because He'll ask us about these things that we hold in bondage. He'll come to you and He'll say, do you want to be healed? And say, so you've been dealing with it for so long, you say, healed from what? I had no idea I was in bondage. What are you talking about? You've dealt with it for so long, you've just centered your life around that bondage. Here's what you need to know. Jesus wouldn't ask you if you needed to be healed. He would not ask you that question if it wasn't important. He wouldn't have come to heal and set people free if we were not wounded or were not in bondage. How do I know? If you read the word of God and the scriptures aren't jumping up. Oh, here's the deal. Let me back up. If you're thinking, how do I know I'm in bondage? How do I know that? Practically, um, if if you're reading, and I've been here. Reading, 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 reading God's word. I got my devotions. I got my open windows. You know, I got my I got my books. I got my helps. I got all the things. Oswald Chambers, I got it, and I just can't absorb anything. If you read the Word of God, here's what I've discovered in my own life. And the scriptures aren't jumping off the page. And there's no life transformation that's coming from reading the Word of God. If you're having trouble understanding, there's some spiritual blindness going on somewhere. There's something blocking. Somewhere. Somewhere. If you're constantly going to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. It could be a business venture. It could be. It could be a. You got to get that next tech uh, gizmo. You got to go to the next relationship. The next relationship. It's the next thing. The next thing. The next hit. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. There could be some spiritual lameness going on. You're just stuck. You're stuck. If you're so afraid that you can't share your faith. With others, or even be around unbelievers. If being around other unbelievers makes you like, oh, I can't even. If you're afraid of what might happen to you, that's spiritual paralysis. The other things: defensiveness, overreaching, overreacting, manipulation, trying to control the conversations—all signs of past hurts that haven't healed. Um, as a kid. When you got a splinter in your house, who did you go to first? Mom? <laughs> I heard you say that. Uh, you went to Dad. Well, <laughs> in our house <laughs> in our house, even me growing up in our house now, the kids, they all go to Mom. Uh, they don't come to me. Uh, see, now you may be the exception but dads are not generally the best at taking a splinter out with compassion um see moms they you know say if they take their time and they're like come here baby what you got what's what's going on and they'll take it and they'll mmm- I love you. This is going to hurt. Just give me a few minutes. I'll get this. Oh, you want me to put some ice on it? Let's just, let's just numb it a little bit. It'll hurt. I'll kiss it. We'll get it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I almost got it. I almost got it. I almost got it. Oh, I know it hurts. I'm going to get you some ice cream when it's over. Come on now. And they take their time. See, they lovingly and gently take their time to get the splinter out. Dads, we take a minute tops. I mean, you give me a minute, Tops, and we reach straight for the knife. You know, I'm going to get this splinter out. We get it out. What blood? Now, suppose you had a splinter. Suppose. But you didn't want the pain of getting it out. So you didn't show it to anybody. You didn't go to mom. You didn't go to dad. You just had the splinter. You didn't tell anybody, you just left alone. What can happen if you don't get a splinter out? Infection. And when the splinter gets infected, it can hurt a whole lot more when you've got to dig that joker out. Doesn't it? All right, I want you to listen to me. Some of us have multiple splinters, some bigger than others. And we haven't wanted to go through the pain of getting it out. But it's a whole lot worse now because it's been in there so, so long. Do you want to be healed? Here's number two. If you're taking notes, here's number two. The responsibility. Whose responsibility is it for to be healed? Whose responsibility? Is it all God's responsibility or do we need to cooperate with him? We got to cooperate, all right? Now, I want you to turn over to Mark 3, Mark uh, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 3. In verse 5, it says this. Jesus said to the man. Now, this is talking about another paralyzed guy, by the way. Jesus is another healing, not the same guy at Bethesda, a different one in Mark. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So this guy had a paralyzed hand. And he stretched out his hand, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. All right, so that's the miracle that Jesus did. Now, uh, when Jesus said, stretch out your hand, what if the man said, I don't want to? I don't want to. And this man had a withered hand, Scripture says. What if he would have said, I don't want to stretch out my hand. I don't want someone to see my imperfections. I don't want to highlight them. I don't want to underscore it now. I don't, I don't want people to see my weakness. See, sometimes that's what we do. I don't want to go to the altar. I don't want to tell anybody about my bondage because they'll see my weakness. If you want to be healed, you have the responsibility to cooperate with God in the healing. You have the responsibility. See, God has a part, and you have a part. His work is the healing. But your work is the faith and cooperation and obedience with him. When he says, stretch out your hand, stretch out your hand. When he says, pick up the mat, get up, pick up the mat, and walk. Guess what your responsibility is? Sit there and wait for him to raise you up and push you forward and put the mat in your hand? No, your responsibility is to do exactly what he said. Get up, pick up the mat, and start walking. Cooperation with God. Now go back to John 5. Verse 8, this is our passage, he, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He told this man three things. First, he told him, get up. Funny enough, when Jesus said to this man, do you want to be healed, the man did not say yes. He didn't say yes. Do you remember what he said? He said, I, I can't, because another one steps down. When it's, when it's my turn and the bubbles come up, another, uh, when they come up, it's someone steps out in front of me, and I can't get down there for somebody to help me. What was that? What did he give Jesus? An excuse. He gave him an excuse. See, I heard it, and you raised the question, do you want to be healed? And somebody will say, well, I've been to a million counselors, and none of them have worked for me. I'm done with that. I'm through with it. I'm not going to do that. Or or, no one will help me. No one will take care of me. My friends won't help me. The pastor won't call me. No one, everybody's against me. I mean, I'm trying, but nobody's, nobody. All right, listen to me. That's called a victim mentality. It's always someone else's fault that you're wounded. That's what this guy was saying. Jesus was saying, You've been doing this charade for 38 years. Do you even want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And Jesus said, Get up, man. See, I don't know that Jesus was like, Get up. Pick up your mat. Let's go for a walk. I don't think Jesus was that way. I think he was like, Get up. Do you want to be healed? And then he gave his excuses. Jesus don't handle excuses too well. I know that. And he was like, get up. The second thing Jesus told this man was pick up your mat. Do you know what that means? Do you want to know what Jesus was asking him to do when he, said, he told him to pick up his mat? He was telling him to go against the religious, the religious rules, the religious customs of the day. He was telling him to go against the preachers in his church. Now, do you know what the preachers of his church said? You, you heard it. They said, you can't do this. You cannot be healed today. You cannot do this. Not this way. This is not the way that we do healing around here. It's against the rules. Put the mat down. You're breaking the rules. Not today. You want to know what that man said to them? I love what he said. He said, I'll beg you pardon. The one who healed me told me to pick up the mat and walk. I was at your church, thank you, pastor, for 38 years under your religious rules, and they didn't help me none at all. You haven't helped me out one bit, but the one who healed me just now, he filled me with the Holy Spirit, and he set me free, and laying from around here, I'm going to do what he said. If it's all the same to you, I'm going to follow him. Now I want you to hear, I want you to hear, if you're going to be healed, you're going to have to live by grace and not the law. You're going to have to tell the religious spirit that has you bound by all of your rules and traditions, this box that you've put God in that's stopping you from your healing, you're going to have to tell it to take a hike. And when it comes to people who hurt you, see the law says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth. That's what the law says. Grace says, turn the other cheek. In other words, the law says get revenge. Grace says you're going to have to forgive. If you're, and if you're going to be healed, you're going to have to live by grace. Right. Yes. Now, the third thing he told him was walk. Just walk. Do something. Go somewhere. Here's what I think he was saying to him. Guess what? It's time to move on. It's time to move forward in your life. It was 38 years, this guy was right there, crippled by the water, blaming others, always the victim, no one to help him. And it seems to me, just me, if the guy wanted to be healed that bad, couldn't he have just, you know, inched his way down to the edge of the pool? And when the bubble stirred up, he could just roll on in there? I mean, I would be, if I wanted to be healed so bad, I'd be like... I'd have my toe right there. And if I asked for help at all, I'd ask for someone to just kind of hold my toe up really so I don't get tired because when the bubbles, man, I'm getting my foot in there. If I were desperate enough, right? Can I just ask you, if you want to get healed, why not ask someone to pray for you? Can you admit to someone, can you drop the pride and even admit to someone that you need healing? Could you go up to someone in this service and in this room today and say, I'm in bondage, I have terrible thoughts, I'm paralyzed by fear, I'm in bondage to what people think of me, I'm in bondage to pride and I'm sick of it. Could you go up to someone in this room in the place of mercy and say that to someone? See, don't choose to to stay hurt. Don't choose to stay hurt. Do your part. Take responsibility and make a move toward healing today. Here's the third thing. Here's the results. The results of being healed, you want to know what they are? The result is freedom. See, this guy, he didn't have to stay in the pool anymore. See, he got healed. He didn't have to stay there at Bethesda. He could go out. He could have a family. He could get a job. He could get a life. Freedom. He got freedom. Freedom. Here's another result that you might not think of right away, but it's intimacy with God. Intimacy with God comes from healing. Did you notice he didn't even know who Jesus was before he was healed? He didn't know who Jesus was. And the Pharisees asked him, is there a healed? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. But after he made the decision to cooperate with God and get healed, it says later on Jesus came to him. And somehow he got the revelation of who Jesus was because it says that he went out and he said, It was Jesus who healed me. The next thing we see in this passage is he got the next steps of obedience in his life. And we saw that back in verse 14 when he says, Now you've been healed. Now stop sinning so that you don't sin in even further. Now here's the takeaway. So nothing further happens to you. Here's the deal. Some of you may be ready for the next step. You're like, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready. You're eager to serve the Lord. Some of you are. You're eager for the Lord's blessing in your life. You're like, I want it. I want it. You're ready to go to another chapter of your life. You might be right there. You're on the cusp. You're ready to go. But you're not going to move forward until you get healed and stop living in the wounds of your sin. Because as long as you're living in those hurts, you're going to be living in sin out of those hurts. Until you take that step of obedience, He won't show you the next step of obedience. He won't tell you what's three, five years down the road unless you do what He's telling you right now. You won't get it. He won't do it. But when you do... He will show you what's next. Now, the result of obedience, when we're obey, and then when we obey, then there's more revelation of the next step, right? And then we obey that, and then there's more revelation, and then we obey that, and then there's more. When the, we're in that pattern with the Lord, guess what that builds between us and the Lord? Intimacy. When he's speaking and we're moving. And then he's speaking some more and we're moving some more. And he's speaking, that's intimacy. That's intimacy. Okay? Not only is it intimacy with Christ, but then the result will be intimacy with other people. Why? You wanna know why? You don't? Sure. You do? Okay. Um Hurt people are afraid to get hurt. Healed people will risk relationship. You follow me? Hurt people are afraid. I can't get hurt. So if you have relationships, they'll have their limits. Healed people will say, I'll risk this relationship. Because if the person in this relationship lets me down or disappoints me, I've got someone who will never disappoint me. And I've got a relationship with a person who can heal me. That's what a healed person can say. I'm going to tell you something that I've learned to be true over the years. And I want you to, I want you to remember this. The more wrong the other person does to you, if there's a scale of that, In your eyes, the more wrong that somebody does something to you, the more you get blessed for forgiving them. I want you to think about that. Maybe it goes back to that person that just took your life. They sucked it out of you. It could have been an abusive relationship. It could have been, I don't know, I know there's evil in this world. And I know what we're capable of outside of the grace of God. But if you think of the most vilest thing that someone's ever said or done to cause a hurt, an offense, if you can go and by the grace of God then forgive that person, you will be blessed. The more you will be blessed for forgiving them. See how free of a life is that? How free is that? See when someone can offend you and you just release them. I release that. I release that. Lord, I forgive them, I release them. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? See, that's the best life. That's the best life when you can be I mean, I just it's my dream we can be sitting on a porch rocking sipping some tea or whatever and I'm like, I don't I, I love everybody. Um, They called me, you know, ugly the other day. I released them. I don't care. I am ugly, you know. (laughs) You know how you can do that? Because you've been forgiven. If you haven't been forgiven, if you had not been forgiven, as far as the east is from the west you, if you hadn't been given that capacity from Jesus, you could never do that. Now, do you remember in John 3, 5, it says, waiting for a certain moment of water for an angel to come up, the time, time to time. This is the last thing, and I'm done. Listen. Bear with me. It was waiting for a, a movement of water for an angel of the Lord to come, in time to time. Now, in some translations, that is a certain time, it says that. And stirred up the water. Okay, you with me? That 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 phrase, a time, from time to time, or a certain time, in the Greek, that's the word kairos. Kairos means a window of opportunity. All right. Now, let me show you another place where kairos, that word kairos, appears. Galatians 4.4. Don't turn there. It's on the screen. Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born in the law. Now, let me fit the word kairos in there and say it this way. But when the kairos moment came, God sent forth his son. Now listen, kairos is a season of time. We talked about seasons last last time. Kairos is a season of time. It won't last forever. Now in this passage here, it means that Jesus, that God sent his son, and right now, for 2023, whatever odd years it is, I don't know, we've been living in Kairos. We've been living in a window of opportunity. You following me? We're living in a window of opportunity. Will that window always stay open? There will come a time when the Lord's coming again. And that window will be closed. It's called the church age. We're living. You don't need to wait for a sign from the Lord Or an angel to stir up some bubbles You don't need to wait for a movement Because Jesus has already come See he's already stirred up the waters He came with healing power He came with it already He came All you need to Today is exactly what that paralyzed man needed. And what he got that day. All you need is a touch from Jesus. That's all you need. That's all you need. Now I want you to hear me. The Kairos is now. The Kairos is now. Right now. You're living in a window. You're living in a Kairos moment. Why on earth would you wait for the other side of eternity to be healed from a wound when you can live on this side of eternity healed from a wound? Why would you waste precious eternity time? Why would you do that? Why would anybody do that except for the blindness of sin? Except for the blindness of sin or paralysis or lameness. Why would you do that? Kairos. The time is now.